Hi, this is Michelle Wainwright, and welcome to Creative Juicy, a podcast about the creative process, the journey to finding your voice, and tools to help creatives, aka people just like you, find inspiration, confidence, and some business savvy along the way. My career in brand and content strategy led me to collaborating with incredible creators, from photographers to directors, chefs, designers, stylists, illustrators, developers, founders, and so much more. I'm here to shine a light on the experiences of people who dare to be different, with the hopes of inspiring you to do whatever makes you feel unapologetically you. So let's get into it. This is Creative Juicy. And thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's so nice to talk to you. <laughs> it's been too long. We have to get together in person. I can't believe it's been as long as it has. I know. Time flies. Okay, so how I've been starting off this podcast is asking everyone to first introduce themselves and describe a little bit about what they do. So you have the floor. <laughs> okay, so my name is Emily Vischer, and I own Starry Eyed Productions, which is a video production company. And we do marketing videos for all different kinds of companies. And, and yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love starry eyed. I also love your story. I feel like I remember once like years ago, Sydney was like, oh, Em, you have to tell Michelle <laughs> everything. So go into as much or as little detail as you want. But can you take us back and talk about your previous lives and yeah. how you found video. Yeah, it's weird. I kind of feel like, you know, like I just turned 40 and people are always like, oh, I feel, <laughs> thanks. They're always like, I feel so much younger, but I feel like I've earned like 60. Like <laughs> I've lived a lot of life, you know? But yeah, I started out like growing up, I was a dancer and that's what I was going to do. You know, I wanted to be professional and um, I was in a dance company like my whole life. I just lived for it. That's all I wanted to do. So I would finish school at like 2.45 and then go to dance. I'd be at dance class at 3.30 and I would finish at like 10 p.m. Um, all, wow. all of high school. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And it was before, you know, it was before like, so you think you can dance and like before it was really popular. So I would have um, like for ballet, I would have exams. And we would, the type of ballet that I studied was called Chiquetti Ballet. And so we would have women from Paris come out and give us exams. And, you know, they would sit at the front of the dance studio and they would just say in French, you know, like, you know, do this. And they would give you like a, a sequence of dance moves and you had to do it and they would judge you. And like, it, yeah, it's terrifying. Um, but my teachers at the time and my friends, you know, I'm like, I have to, I have to leave for, for my exams for ballet. And they were just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Um, so I was really happy when like, so you think you can dance and it became more popular. And I was like, you see guys, like it's real work. Like, um, so yeah. So then I injured myself when I was 20. Yeah, I was 20 and it was good because it was like, right. I mean, at the time it really sucked, but it was at the point of my dance career where it was like really getting serious and really competitive and like it was it was on the cusp of not being fun anymore where like everybody in the room was your competition and you're all going out for the same part and you know and like body image and all of that was just starting to like weigh kind of heavily and um so I had to stop dancing 
and I did not know what to do with my life. <laughs> because Where were you living at the time? So in the time I was living in New York. So I'm, I'm from California. I'm from Sacramento. So I went back to Sacramento. And that was really weird for me because I had been, you know, living in New York and had this big career in mind. And all of a sudden I just was like back to square one. Um, so I didn't know what to do. But my, all of my dad's side of the family, they're all attorneys. And I've always thought that like practicing law would be really interesting and, you know, love talking to my uncles and their wives about it growing up. So one of my uncles is an attorney in San Francisco. And so he said, you know, he said, why don't you come, why don't you come and like try being a paralegal? <laughs> and I was like, don't you need to go to school for that? But he was like, I think you can figure it out. <laughs> um, so I did. So he had just fired his paralegal. So I came into his office and I looked at this woman's desk and it was just covered in documents and legal documents. And I am, I guess a bit of a neat freak. I don't know. I like organization. So I started like going through the, the papers and, you know, just seeing common threads in the titles of the documents and, and trying to organize them that way. Um, and he was talking on the phone with a client and he said, Oh, you know, he referenced some document and he was like, but you know, I just fired my paralegal and I have a new one starting today. And so I won't be able to find this document until a few days, but I had just seen it. And so I was like, Oh, you know, I pulled it up and I ran it into his office and he was just delighted. And so after that day, he was like, I think this is going to work. And I, and it did, and it was so fun. Um, I learned everything I could about legal practice and like was there for a few years. And by the time I left there, you know, I was able to write like basic briefs and stuff like that. And it was really fun. And it was just kind of like learning the language of practicing law. It's a different, you know, legal jargon is, is a different language. And so, um, and learning the chess game of like, they file a brief and then you file a motion. And, you know, so, so that was really fun. But once I learned everything, I was like, okay, so what now? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, uh, nothing like this is just what we do. And I was like, it's just this like on repeat for the rest of your life so it was fun to learn but then when I learned it all I was like uh my creative like curious side is not going to be happy doing this forever <laughs> so then so he actually he owned a, a floor of offices in one of the big buildings downtown and so there were lots of other um, attorneys that rented from his from him and so I got to like you know, watch all, all different kind, kinds of law being practiced. And so one of one of his tenants' clients was in the office and started. I started talking with him. And he was in TV. And I had, it was, this was during the time that um, Travel Channel was like really big. And Samantha Brown, I don't know if you remember, she was like a Travel Channel host. And she would travel all around Europe and do these little like city tours and I loved watching her show and I loved travel. Um, and I, whenever I would travel, I would like take notes and do a lot of research and people would always ask me for travel guides. And so I came up with this idea to do like a travel show that, that revolved around dance. So I would travel to towns and then I would find out like what the, the, the dance of the, you know, the cultural celebrations or whatever was and highlight that and show people that. So I wrote down um, a pitch for this TV show and I started emailing the travel channel. <laughs> like I would 
email them like every two weeks or like once a month, <laughs> just like it was just on my to-do list. Um, so anyway, this, this client um, would come into the office and I started telling him and I was like, yeah, you know, I really want to do this, this show. And he, he was in TV. He worked at a news station there. Mm. And he was like, you know, I actually, I know people at the travel channel. And I was like, <laughs> I was like per- perfect. If you could just drop them a line. So he's like, yeah, I'll reach out to them. So he did. And apparently I was like the office joke. They were like, oh, Emily. Yeah. No. Yeah. They're like, she's the, she's the girl that emails us like all the time. Like every so couple. mean to just. I know. I know. But they, but anyway, so they recognized my name. And <laughs> Yeah, we know her. Yeah, exactly. And so the guy was like, oh, you know, she's like legit you know, you should maybe give her a chance. So they finally responded to my 1100th email. (laughs) And they were starting this, um, this group called the travel, the video travel journalists or whatever. So they flew me and like 12 other people out to Miami to train in how to shoot and edit video. And it was amazing. And I met like the coolest people and they had us just like go around Miami and like, and shoot videos and make little, and like the CEO of the travel channel was there. It was was, like, yeah. So it was like, they were, we were the first group of this program that they were starting, um, which was awesome. And they filmed us and, you know, we, we didn't really understand what they were doing, but like, so they filmed us doing it. And then a few years later, they grew the program to this huge thing where they would just have like hundreds of people come and, and teach them a little bit about video. Um, but a few years later, a friend of mine was like, Emily, do you know that you're in a travel channel commercial? And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was cool. So we got to learn, we, you know, we had really like intimate training with them and we got to know them. And so that was kind of like the beginning of me getting into video and, and learning how to do video. So I then met my husband right after that, um, and we moved to Austin. So I was, so I quit the paralegal job, and I was just making little videos for Travel Channel in Austin. Um, but I was, you know, we were all just kind of like tiny fish in like the big sea of the Travel Channel. Like, but still, um, I mean, for your first gig out the gate to be little videos for the travel channel that's yeah. pretty that's pretty awesome it was so much fun and I met um my husband is a is a psychologist and he was getting his PhD at UT Austin at the time and so a friend of his in, in the lab we were introduced like the the wives of these guys and and she was also into video and um, went to Sarah Lawrence and was a creative and so she was my editor my first editor and so the two of us just like would go around Austin making these little travel videos and it was so fun. Um, but, you know, I didn't get paid anything, like barely anything. It was just kind of like, you know, we, you get to use our name. And so that's the big deal. Um, so and where I, would these videos live? They would put them on their website. Yeah. So, so they would have, you know, you could click on like towns and, and stuff. And so then if anybody clicked on Austin, then my videos would come up. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So I realized that I wasn't going to make a lot of money doing that. So then I got into, um, I, I started a documentary collaborative 
with my friend Sally, who was my editor, and then two other creatives that we had met. And so we started making documentaries together. Um, we made a couple like short documentaries. Um, and then we made a feature length documentary, which was so much work, so interesting. I loved doing that. I was the person, I was the producer and, and I conducted most of the interviews for that, for that film. There's a film about death row, um, about a woman whose brother was convicted of a crime that he, he claimed he's innocent. So, and it, the film was about how it kind of just took over her life. So once her brother was committed, she said, you know, like, all right, this is my life's work getting him out and like proving his innocence. So we just kind of followed her story. Um, Yeah, it was fascinating. So, so the drive from Austin to Huntsville where the death row prison is, is it's like two or three hours. It's a long time, but there are little stops along that she would make and, you know, and her community kind of became this, this road to Huntsville. So it's Livingston. It's called the road to Livingston. Oh, wow. So we interviewed all these people and, you know, we were this small film crew, but we came like pretty well known. And, and some of the towns in Texas would hear that we were coming and it was like the wild West. We would drive into town and they would shut their, they would shut the stores. They would like shut their doors. Nobody would talk to us because we were like liberals from Austin making this film about death row and they didn't want to talk about it. Interesting. Yeah. It was fascinating. Um, so yeah, I got to interview, you know, I I did interviews on death row in the prison. That was crazy. Em, <laughs> that was, I didn't know this. Yeah. Um and it I just loved it so much because it was like obviously a world that I knew nothing about. Um and yeah, just the most I I interviewed the warden of the prison. He now there's a death row museum. He now runs the museum. Um so I got to interview him in like a, a in a prison cell and ask him about like what was the first time that you had to, you know, pull the switch for the electric chair. Like wow. so it was just crazy. Um yeah. but really awesome. But where can talk- I watch that documentary now? That's a good question. It was on Amazon. Um, but I don't know if it is anymore. So I'll okay. look into that. And, yeah. And I'll, I'll put the know. link in the show notes wherever. Yeah, it is. yeah. Um and I'm still in contact. Delia is the, is the woman and she still like updates me on her brother's case and stuff. And so he's Aww. sadly, yeah, sadly he hasn't been um, released yet. Yeah. I'm confident that he will. Um, but anyway, so that was a labor of love. It took years to make, but again, not a lot of money in documentary filmmaking unless you're sponsored by HBO or, you know, whatever. Um so again, I was like, okay, I love doing this so much, but how can I make money doing this? So one of the members of the of our documentary collaborative interviewed for a job as a producer at a production company, and they wanted a, a person that could like kind of be a jack of all trades, do sales, um, you know, edit, that kind of thing. So they interviewed her for the job, and she said, like, I'm not the one for this job, but I know a girl who would be perfect. And so she referred me. Um, so I interviewed with my good friend, Erica, who's the only person working at this company at the time. And she, we did the interview over the phone and she hired me on the spot. Um, awesome. Yeah. So, so that was, that was my first real job in video production. 
and it was it was so much fun. It was at a t- it was at a time where video was brand new for companies. Like companies didn't understand that they needed video yet. Like we understood it in our small little circle. Um, and what we were year tr- was this? Oh, that's a good question. It was two thousand. It must have been two thousand nine. Okay. Um, and you're still in Austin at this time. Yeah, still in Austin. And we were this small company of women and we were trying to sell to these huge companies. Like you really need video for your website and people just didn't get it. And we were like, you know, we were selling these videos for like next to nothing. So it was a lot of work and it was a lot of fun. And we would, you know, we did videos for, for all kinds of places, but finally some, you know, and we were just walking into these companies So we walked into this biotech company and, you know, you just have to find the one person that kind of gets it, that understands. And so we were able to make video for these biotech companies and it was, it was game changing for them because they were able to show it to their investors and to, you know, it, it was just like, kind of like the light bulb went off, like, you know, you can, you can talk all you want about your new science, but if you show it, like, actually, it will change the game for you. Um, so that was really cool to watch and, and to do and to make and, you know, also to kind of like prove these, these men at these giant companies, like, they're like, how are you going to understand the science? And it was like, because we're smart, yeah, <laughs> badass bitches. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was really fun to kind of like, to push through that hurdle and to write the script. And they're like, well, how are you going to understand our science? And, you know, we broke it down. We're like, explain it to us. Like we are five-year-olds so that we can then explain it to your clients. And, you know, so that was really fun. And, and that was validating for me and like, oh my gosh, this is something that's just going to get bigger and bigger. And it's something that I love doing and it, and it, I'm able to fill all my buckets of creative and, curiosity and um and learn like just endlessly learning about stuff that I would never know otherwise yeah so I mean also especially that time I mean that was before social media took off yeah before everything video happened so you really were I mean everyone now if they think back about you guys walking in their office like yeah you know you were right video does make a huge difference yeah it makes such a huge difference and it's just like it's the best way for, for you as a, as a business owner to connect with other people, which is what you want to do. Right. So it was just so obvious to me, like if I can get you to talk earnestly to me about what you're passionate about, that will resonate with your clients. So, so yeah, it was just, it was so cool to find, like to find my calling after my dance life. Yeah. And your paralegal life. What an interesting background. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. So. Okay. So then how you, you're working for this company, where did the idea for Starry Eyed, how did that get started? Yeah. So I was working for this company and we were super small. So we were doing everything, um, which was great. And my husband finished at UT and got his postdoctorate position at Rutgers. And I had lived in New York before. And so I was like, obviously there's a ton of video potential there and, and companies that I could work for. But I had a I had a young child. I had my son Gabriel was four at the time. Um, so we moved out here 
And I just, I couldn't get an in with any of the companies that I wanted to because I was young and because this was kind of a new field. And, you know, I don't, I don't know all of the reasons, but I was just having a really hard time getting a job basically and, and getting a job doing exactly what I wanted to do. So I thought, you know, like, and, you know, so naive to think this, like, well, you know, I helped run that other company. I could just run my own. Um, such a different ball game. <laughs> Owning your own company is so much work. Yeah. Um, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And so. Good for you. <laughs> thank you. And it all just came together. Um, I feel like when you're inspired to do something and, and it's something you're supposed to do, you know, you get signs in the universe and I believe in all of that. And so, so I started, you know, talking about it with my friends and, you know, and the first thing I thought was like, okay, well, what's the purpose of the company? Like, why are you going to have a video production company? And my favorite thing is when we would make a video for our clients and they would see themselves in their best light. And so they would like often watch a video that we would make and they would go like, oh my gosh, like that's us. Like that's, that's what we look like. And and so it was this like starry eyed moment of seeing themselves in their best light. So, so the name I was like, and I love stars and constellation and the universe and everything. And just kind of like if the stars align, then I'll do this. And so let's call it starry eyed productions. I love it. I can't <laughs> believe I've never asked you that before. Yeah. Thank you. And I, I had so many men, like I consulted with, men, you know, like business owners in New York too. And Jesus Christ, the advice they gave me was so terrible. Really? Do you remember? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it was like, okay, don't name it Starry Eyed Productions because nobody will take you seriously. Also, dye your hair blonde because <gasps> if you want to be successful in New York City, yeah, um, you're going to have to be blonde. <laughs> like, and this is like in the 20 teens? Like this is not... Yes. Wow. Yeah. So I had, you know, I, I knew people that lived in New York and knew like big business owners and they were like, you should sit down and consult. So I did that, that particular conversation was in, um, Cipriani's. And I remember the guy saying like, look around this restaurant. Do you see any Burnett's here? <gasps> I literally said, thank you so much for your advice. I need to leave. And I stood up and I walked out. <laughs> That is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah As a was, fellow brunette. <laughs> yeah, it was really, it was appalling. And it was, so I got a lot of bad advice. I got some great advice. Yeah, so so I started, oh, and then it just like other things would happen. Like, you know, I was at the playground with a mom friend and I'm like, I, I think I'm going to start this production company. I, I have the name, I need a logo and then my friend was like, oh, I'm a graphic designer. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, great. And she's like, I'll make your logo. And I said, okay. And I told her like, you know, a few things that inspired me. And she came back with like 10 incredible options for my logo <laughs> wow. for, you know, like $200 or something like the friend price, the mom friend price. And so it just started coming together. And then my former boss from Austin um, she was starting a new company, so people were coming to Starry Eyed, or sorry, to to her production company that I used to work for, asking her for things that she wasn't doing anymore. So she referred them to me. So oh, great! So that's how I got my first big client, which was Match.com. Huge um, client, big client, and we had done some work for them before under her production company, 
and I had, you know, from her production company as well, made really, really great connections with some great filmmakers, um, with some great DPs that I love and cherish to this day. Danny is one of them that, you know, they're my, um, like best friends and mentors and, um, just, just great people that inspire me. And I, I love working with them. Yeah. So match.com was my first client and I, you know, had the network of film of people to work with already. And that's how, that's how it started. That's how I finally got off my feet. What did you have to do legally? Like, did you start an LLC for starry eyed or I did, you knew all that stuff from the paralegal background or how did you like actually start the business? Yeah. So I did a lot of research, obviously. So I just consulted with I consulted with people. I had also watched the company in Austin that I worked for being formed and from my paralegal background, kind of knew how to to protect myself a little bit. I knew some corporate lawyers that I consulted and, and at the time there were more and more like small businesses happening. It was kind of like the start of like really, really noticing female founders and like seeing these communities kind of come together. So I would listen to a lot of discussions about you know, how to do it properly and how to protect yourself. So yeah, I formed an LLC. Um, I got all my contracts in a row first thing. And then it was just step by step. The hard, the hard thing starting out was, and getting big clients, was navigating their legal procedures. Mm. So that that was difficult at first. But because of my paralegal background and because of that, I could read through, you know, the 20-page contract that they would send me. Yeah. Yeah. So that definitely helped. I was going to ask you, you touched on it, but you've built an incredible team of freelancers. Mm -hmm. I guess part one of this question is for any given shoot, what are the roles that you need to fill? Um, Like obviously you mentioned Danny, who is like the first person that comes to mind when (laughs) I think about you and your team, but what are the roles? And then also, I mean, as time goes on and as you have shoots in different locations, like how do you pull in the right people and what does that process look like? Oh man, it's so much work. Um, And I have, I'm so lucky to have to work with the people that I work with because as everybody knows, like you are only as strong as your team. I've, I've lived through so many horror stories <laughs> and I have learned from each one. There was one shoot in Austin at, at the previous production company that I worked with, that I worked for, where we were recommended this DP who had just moved to LA or just moved to Austin from LA. He was this big name. Um, we paid a ton for him to come on set and be our DP and it was for a startup company that needed their video um, for a conference. They were about to like launch. So it was hugely, this video was like made majorly important for them. And it, it was a super quick turnaround. They needed it done within a week. And, you know, we can do it with the right people, no problem. So we had this new DP come and we did the shoot. The shoot was amazing. The, these guys were incredible. And we get back to the studio to start edit and there was no sound. <gasps> zero sound, no interview sound, nothing. And the guy was just like, I, you know, I made a mistake. And like, (laughs) so we, So what do you do? We had to go reshoot it. So we had, so this company that we were working with had to pull in the whole team again. Like it was a disaster. Mm. 
So I learned from that. (laughs) (laughs) What did you learn? I learned to never work with somebody for the first time under that amount of pressure. Mm. It has to be a personal recommendation. I have to see their work. I have to, I have to watch them work before I work with them for a big client because people will often send you, you know, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. But until you see them do that, you don't have any proof that they actually did it. Right. Um, so, so that is what I have learned about my teams. I will not work with someone unless I see them working or unless somebody that I know and like, and that I trust with everything has worked with them and can vouch for them because otherwise it's a disaster. Okay. Good lesson. Yeah. Lessons learned. Yeah. Okay. So you need a DP, which stands for director of photography, director of photography. What other roles do you typically need to fill? So you need a producer. It's very important. And people, people forget that because video is so like prevalent now and everybody understands it and, and there's a lot more filmmakers, which is great. There's a lot more people that can, and cameras are more affordable. All phones are getting better. But if a DP is really focused in doing their job, they're only seeing through the camera lens, right? So you need to have a producer that understands what the deliverables are, what the final outcome is. And they kind of have to be, you and your team have to be the peripheral vision, right? So you have to manage the client. You have to have producers that can be kind of like, the extra eyes for your DPs. And then you have to have people that are there in case anything goes wrong because something always goes wrong. <laughs> and so you have to be prepared for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you need a director, you need the DPs, you need producers. And then um, so depending what on role, how big the job is. Yeah. yeah. What role do you typically take on? Even though I already know the answer, but <laughs> can you tell anyone who's listening how you fit in not only as you know, founder and CEO of Starry Eyed, but actually on a set and in post-production, like what place do you fill? So on set, I am directing, I'm also producing. um, And then as the owner of the company, you're also having to like manage your team, which is really important. I think being a mom really helps because these are like my babies. (laughs) So it's true. It's like, I often feel like, you know, the mother duck and I'm like, guys, are we all here? Like, is everybody okay? Is everybody feeling well? Is everybody fed? Is everybody like, you have to keep spirits up and you have to keep the client happy at the same time. Yeah. It's a lot to juggle. It's a lot to juggle, but I love it. You know, it's, it's, I don't know. So, so on set, I am the director, I'm the producer. Um, You have to have, you know, your checklist in your head of everything that you have to be thinking about the final outcome all of the time. Mm Mm-hmm. And you have to make sure that you get each thing three different times because you have to have options when you're editing. It's a lot of kind of like paying attention to any magic that that you see or that you can create. So depending on what you're shooting, if it's an event per se, which we've done a lot of those together, mm-hmm. it's finding little magic moments and either catching them when they happen or helping them be recreated again. Or, you know, if you see like certain colors that are like amazing together, you have to like put those things together and then like ask them to do a twirl or whatever it is, you know? So it's, it's really fun in that regard. And then post-production, I personally like, I like to know everything that we have. So I like to look at all of the footage so that I know, like pull this, pull this, pull this. Um, I also have edited quite a bit, which is really helpful 
because then I know if I'm asking my editor something, they can't tell me no because I know it can be done, you know? And the people that I work with understand. And like, there's a lot of people that I work with often just kind of get, it's like telepathy. It's like, you know, I don't have to ask for it. And I like to say too, that we kind of choreograph videos. So music is a huge part of it. I'm, I help make sure that we pay attention to all the details, basically. Well, I've witnessed you in action on set. And obviously we've done, as the two of us know, events together, which yeah. can be really stressful because they only happen once. You're dealing with consumers or celebrities and, you know, you can't schedule a reshoot if something doesn't go right. So you really only have one moment to, to capture a specific shot. Yeah. But something I've always noticed about you is that you notice these things, but then you can also insert yourself in a situation to ask someone to raise their glass or do a twirl like you just said, but it comes off in a way that's super, I don't know, your demeanor is really welcoming. Like it can be a bit, I don't know what it is. Like when someone walks up to you and starts talking to you, it can be a little, it can feel abrupt. But with you, I feel like it just feels natural and calm and like a very friendly interaction, which I feel like must be a huge part for why people are willing to do that twirl and to and to work with you in a way. So that's just something I've always noticed. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's interesting knowing that your background is being a performer because that also, like you just said, choreographed. So much of what you do is like choreography. But from your eyes, your starry eyes, um, <laughs> Are there any skills that transfer over from your previous lives, whether it's ballet or even paralegal, which we touched on, but how does the performing aspect transfer over to what you do now? I love this question so much, and it's something that I've never been asked. And I loved thinking about it because I had never really thought about it before. But I think especially, well, I, I said I say ballet because that's mostly what I did. You have to think about so many things at once as a ballet dancer, as a, you know, as a performer to like every, every inch of your body is, has to be thought about and in the exact right place. Right. So your, your wrist has to be at a certain level. Your elbow has to be higher than that, but just slightly. And then your shoulders have to be down and your head has to turn a certain mm. way. And then you have to be cognizant of everybody around you and you have to maintain your space and and make sure that the formation is in the right. So it's just, it's thinking about so many things at once. And also I did a lot of choreography as I got older, you know, and that's, a, that's directing obviously. So mm -hmm. I think that my, my past as a performer and as a dancer had a huge impact on me being able to do this because you're having to think about a million different things all at once, especially when you're filming an event, right? You get one, one shot. And I love the rush of that. It's like, it's a marathon, but you're sprinting the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I find really exhilarating and fun. And like, when I have the right team with me, it's, it's just so cool. It's, oftentimes we're editing like on set, which is really cool. And you get to watch. I remember the first time actually we shot an event for the Polo Classic and we were editing on site for the first time, I think for Vogue for the first time too. And I remember, you know, the team from 
LaForce coming over and watching the video that we had just made and they didn't understand. They were like, wait a second, like that was today. This was our event. And it, you know, the goal is to make it the best version of what it was, right? To get that starry-eyed effect. And so that was, so, I love that moment and it's so cool and it's so much fun. Um, but it is a special, you know, some people don't handle it well. <laughs> so I'm happy that I'm happy that I can and, and that I get to. I've definitely obviously seen you edit on, on site, but then when I was preparing for this conversation, I was thinking about, you know, I've never been in like the hotel room with the team in post-production. <laughs> like, it's what so does that look fun. like? Yeah. It's so much fun. We have the best. And I just really love, love, love the people that I work with. You know, it's like you've all been through this together. You're all exhausted. You're all delirious. You can like laugh about the things that happen. And it's interesting what you said about about people being receptive to me asking them to do things that most of the time is the case. Sometimes it's not, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, rarely I, I, I get bad reactions and it's been a few celebrities. Of course, I will not name their names, <laughs> you know, so we get to laugh about that kind of thing. Like Julianne Moore, um, did the ball toss and I, you know, I get to meet these people and she was incredible. And like, you know, obviously I'm a huge fan of hers. And so it it was like walking up to her and and somebody introduced, introduced me and said, this is Emily who you'll be working with. And she like put her hand out and was like, I'm Julianne. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) So it's it's fun. It's, you know, talking about those kind of moments, you know, and and just getting through it all together. And like, we have a really good time. So thinking back to where you started with trying to convince people that they need video for their websites to today. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the landscape has completely evolved and changed, but how has tech and social media and anyone with a phone being able to take a video, how has that changed the business and the kind of work that you do? Yeah, another really great question. So it changes all the time, as you know. It's it's impossible to keep up with. At the same time, like, you know, it's my job to be aware of everything. When things started to change, like when TikTok happened and like and video was, you know, every article was like video is the most important thing. Video is the most important thing. But the format of video keeps changing and the and the type of video that people want to see keeps changing. Mm-hmm. Um, at first that was really overwhelming to me. And, you know, within my team, it was like, how are we going to keep up with all of this? And what I've realized over the past couple of years, um, is that you really don't need to keep up with all of it. It's good to be aware of what's going on, but you don't have to be good at every single type of video. And honestly, mm. I don't think that you should be because then you're spreading yourself way too thin. I don't know how anybody could physically possibly do that. So what's reassuring to me and, and what I love about what I do is that quality of work, never that never changes. And often I, I have to go back to like to the arts and to ballet and like, why is this medium still as beautiful and respected today as it was 100 years ago or whatever? And it's because it's just that good. So if you can get really good at something and, and that something is endlessly valuable, then you're going to be fine. So I try to not get overwhelmed with all of the TikToks and all of the platforms and all of that Mm -hmm. and try to keep coming back to like, okay, 
what's really good about what you do. And, and that is just being the best reflection of other people. So what would you say is Starry-Eyed's niche in video? What kind of video do you guys think, do you think you're best at? Like, is it commercials? Is it? Yeah. I mean, we don't do commercials, like huge commercial, like target commercials, but we do do kind of short forms of that for social media platforms. Mm -hmm. So event videos we're really good at. Um, I'm actually, I mentioned I'm working with Fresh Beauty a lot right now, which is Mm -hmm. fun. Um, And that's a new medium for me because it's, it's so staged and perfect and has to be done a, a certain way, which, which I love, but we can only reflect the best part of the product. So if the product is good, we can make a great video. You know, that's very much reflective of, of Starry-Eyed's clients. Like it's all, I've just been really lucky to work with really, really great products and companies. So Em, I have five final questions. I ask everyone these, and we may have touched on some of these topics, but I will ask you nonetheless. So question number one is what drives you to create? I love capture. I love seeing magical moments and I love capturing them. So I love that I get to do that for work. I love to do that in, you know, out of work as well. So I love nature and I get inspired by travel and people. And I'm just endlessly curious about people (laughs) and what they do. Um, So I think that curiosity and that like, odd need to know why people do what they do is what drives me Mm. question number two this Mm -hmm. one's fill in the blank feeling inspired feels like feels like a rush it feels like I, I wake up feeling so like tingly and if I have a great project that I'm super excited about and I have you know the right people on it with me then I'm just like it just feels like energy question number three where do you go to get your creative juices flowing and how do you overcome creative blocks? Uh, So I travel and I like to just, you know, it can be upstate or I, I love going somewhere new, Um, you know, exploring little towns and getting lost. And my husband is so patient (laughs) (laughs) Um, because I, I just have this need to know about like everything. Like when we go to a new town, I, I have to drive like all around the town so that I know every option of like what's available. (laughs) It's very strange, but I think that that kind of drives me and I'm just, I'm just really curious. Like, I don't know why. (laughs) Hmm. Well, it would make you such a good documentary interviewer asking all these questions. You have to be curious for that. Yeah. And I genuinely am, you know, it's just a question that people ask all the time. It's like, what superpower would you have if you could have one? And mine has always been like being able to meet somebody and, and know their life story so that I can understand why they're doing everything that they're doing in their life. Um, so that kind of curiosity about people um, drives me a lot. And, and it's the same in business. Like I, when I work with a new you know, company or client, I like to know everything about what they're doing and why they're doing. Like, tell me from A to Z, tell me everything so that I can fully understand, you know, and tell the exact right story. So, so I don't think a lot of people are like that. <laughs> I need they're to not. know everything. Yeah. yeah. No, it's amazing. Question number four, if you could tell your younger self one thing or one piece of advice, what would you say? Oh my gosh. 
so many things. Um, I would just say like, I would, I wish I could tell you for you to know, like, it's going to be okay. The journey is never ending. It's never totally figured out. And that's what's great about life. There's not one answer because you're just you're just going to change. You're going to evolve so much constantly for the rest of time. So, mm-hmm. so there's not an answer. It's just the journey. So calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Simmer down, young child. Yeah, relax. It's going to be okay. What are you looking forward to today? Is there anything coming up or anything that you're working on that's keeping you feeling motivated and inspired? Yeah, um, there's so much that I'm looking forward to today. So Starry-Eyed has always been just a company that grows on referrals, which has, I've been so lucky to have that. But when the pandemic happened and everybody was kind of like reassessing if, you know, what they were doing was what they wanted to continue doing, I was so happy to realize like how much I love what I do. Um, and, you know, I've, as a female business owner and, you know, as owning a company for the first time, like, I've always been a little bit scared of like of big growth because how could I handle that on my own as the, as the sole owner of this company. And, and I just kind of got over that fear recently. And so I'm for the first time hiring a sales team and like, um, yeah. So, so hoping to grow starry eyed quite a bit, um, which will be fun. And, you know, I'm also starting another company, um, which yeah, <laughs> which I am so excited about. And we are fine-tuning exactly what this company is. Um, and so soon I'll be able to talk about it. But it's going to be a game changer, and I'm so excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll have to have you on um, a second time to talk about that. Yes, yes. I feel like it's a really exciting time in life and in the world. And so, yeah, I'm happy. And Em, where can people go to keep up with you and Starry-Eyed? So StarryEdProductions.com is good. And then our Instagram, Starry-Eyed Productions. Well, Em, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you and congratulations. And I just want to say that I love working with you and you're just a fantastic human. Oh, and, Em. Yeah. I feel the same. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Creative Juicy. If you like what you heard, it would mean so much if you can take a minute to rate and review the show. Be sure to hit subscribe to stay updated on new episodes and follow me at Mish, M-I-C-H, underscore Wainwright on Instagram for more podcast updates. You can also find show notes and a transcript for today's episode at creativejuicypodcast.com. Hope you have a good one. Bye.